Welcome back to Yes X or No Audio. Hello everybody. <laughs> it's Sunday the 24th of December here on the Eastern Seaboard of Australia at about 10 to 11 in the morning at the end of week 51 in the year 2023. And we've got so many more headlines to get through, so let's just charge on with that. Uh, but I'm going to pause here and there because I'm feeling a bit verbose today. So, damn it. We start with the genocide. And Pope Francis condemns Israeli, quote, terrorism, quote, after IDF kills two women at Catholic Church in Gaza. And I'm just pointing out that uh, the Pope's pretty careful with his words, one would presume, and he's chosen terrorism, not genocide. And I'm going, hang on, get your, get your words straight. And, yeah, do you see what I mean? It's like a bit late, a bit little too late, you know? Anyway, um, then we have shipping giants suspend transits through Red Sea due to Houthi attacks. And I uh, did a follow-up on that as an entire article. We'll get to that later. Israeli town council head says Israel should make Gaza look like Auschwitz. And that's going to go down really well. Netanyahu said he's, quote, proud, end quote, of preventing a Palestinian state. Pressure mounts on Netanyahu to reach new deal with Hamas after IDF killed three Israeli hostages. Human Rights Watch says Israel is using starvation as a weapon of war. Lloyd Austin visits Israel, vows to continue support for Gaza slaughter. Huh. US formally launches Red Sea military operation in response to Houthi attacks, also covered in that article, which we'll get to. US formally launches Red Sea military operation in response to Houthi attacks. Yeah, that's that article again. Houthis say they won't back down even if the U.S., quote, mobilises the entire world, end quote. And that caused Pepe Escobar to have a bit of fun. <laughs> so that's that comes in the other section. So you're going to get this one as a bit of a theme. And then we have hostage talks resumed, but several hurdles remain before deal reached. Uh, as Gaza death toll crosses 20,000, aid group warns true number is higher. Calling out the obvious there. U.S. veto threat once again delays Security Council vote on Gaza ceasefire. Israel has backed itself into a corner on post-war Gaza occupation, diplomats say. I'd say that's calling the obvious there. UN report says over 570,000 people are starving in Gaza. That's over 25% of the population, obviously. 25% of a population starving. Let's do that by the US numbers, not 25% of 300 and something. Whoa. Like 90 million something? UN Security Council delays vote on Gaza resolution yet again. UN Security Council passes diluted resolution on Gaza war. And moving on to the US slash NATO topic. Watch out for the trains around here. Putin calls Biden's claim that Russia will attack NATO, quote, nonsense. End quote. U.S. granted access to 15 military bases in Finland under New Deal. Well done, Finland. You're just like the Japanese. They come in quickly and they never leave. Germany to permanently deploy 4,800 troops in Lithuania. I say the same to Lithuania. They come in quickly and they never go. U.S. granted access to military bases in Denmark under New Deal. Hello, there's a bit of a forward deployment on the uh, on the eastern front happening here for NATO. Like, how much is that? Senate adjourns until 2024 with no deal on Ukraine aid. Hmm. 
On to Southwest Asia slash not genocide, we have US forces come under attack over 100 times in Iraq and Syria since October. How about that? They got the three figures. And that's it for the rest of Southwest Asia. Moving on to Ukraine slash Russia, that's West Asia. White House says US can only fund one more weapons package for Ukraine. Like, what? So it's going to be a big one or what? I don't know. Zelensky suggests Ukraine could mobilise up to 500,000 new soldiers. Yeah, uh, under the age of five and over the age of 80. Jesus. US eyes frozen Russian central bank funds to fund Ukraine. Uh, I kid you not, they're going to steal stuff again. (laughs) East Asia slash China. US increases military exercises with allies near China. That's going to end well. US approves... $300 million sale for Taiwan's military information systems. Let's arm them with information and see what happens. US, China hold first high-level military talks in over a year. And in Africa, where stuff really does happen, we just don't hear about it very much, we have US airstrike reported in Somalia for first time in months. Well, thanks for that, Dave DeCamp. And that would be the annual headline for the week. And so now we move on to... Other, where I get to ramble even more. And we have this from John Helmer. Breaking news. Chinese, Iranian and Indian warships are now in the Red Sea, Gulf of Aden. Just to let us know, that was early in the week. Well, actually, no, that's only the 21st, so it's only a few days back. Anyway, and then we have, at this point, we have to always assume Israel is lying until proven otherwise. By Caitlin Johnson, calling the obvious. And then we have, uh, this is the one I was referring to from Pepe Escobar, Yemen ready to stare down a new imperial coalition, which I think is a good title. Well done, Pepe. And so this is obvious. They're saying, we're not going to stop shooting the, the ships until there's a ceasefire in Gaza. Otherwise, we'll just keep shooting all the ships that are going to Israel. We leave all the other ones alone, just the ships that are going to Gaza, to Israel. If they're not going to Israel, we won't shoot them. Anyway. Uh, and then we have blood money. The top 10 politicians taking the most Israel lobby cash by Alan McLeod, published at Shearpost, republished there, originally at Mint Press News. And moving on, Israeli commanders reported to ICC, that's the International Criminal Court, from uh, Consortium News, originally at Common Dreams, and by Brett Wilkins. And uh, I have a little conclusion to add to that. And thus, if... um, the uh, this is a group done by a group called Dawn, which is was created by Khashoggi. Remember him, assassinated by uh, MBS and 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 fellow peeps. Anyway, uh, it's a you know it's a Middle Eastern advocacy group, and uh, they've just decided they're going to report. They have reported these uh, forty military commanders to uh, the ICC or whatever, and then I make the comment that thus one can expect dual citizen Jewish Israeli US persons to coordinate the US to attack this group Dawn via the usual mechanisms of reputation financial and legal i.e. painting crimes on against humanity symbols on the back of Israeli officers is painting a target on yourself we will see where that goes my predictions have not been that reliable of late and then we have uh, if the Houthis can shut down naval traffic in the Red Sea Iran can close the Persian Gulf by Larry Johnson at Sonar 21 calling the obvious but it's important that someone does it. And then uh, on a new sort of sub-theme topic, which I've labelled US presidential dual lawfare, we have impeachment, Biden under formal investigation by Patrick Lawrence from Consortium News, who he, he's uh, 
Mr. Lawrence, that is, is continuing his series for Consortium News on Biden family corruption and the political and legal consequences of it. But I just see this as a dual beautiful thing with, you know, the Congress trying to impeach the sitting president and then the Democratic operatives trying to take Trump to court and... Anyway, interesting legal things turning up in Colorado, so I hear. Like, there's an interesting actual legal point to be made about whether you can... Uh, a state can sort of ban a uh, potential presidential candidate from running primaries in their state or not. I reckon that I reckon Colorado is going to get smacked down by the Supreme Court. But what would I know? Not a lawyer. Um, and then we moving on to the new Cold War. We have a bit of shit going down about Ukraine. The word's out. It's all over Red Rover. <laughs> we have the total defeat of Ukraine is coming into sight by Bernard at Moon of Alabama. And I have a few notes on this. So he makes the following. I'm, I'm quoting him here. He says, A new draft law includes the mobilisation of all women between 25 and 60. I mean, that's suicidal, really. Come on. And then he continues, Should it become law, many women will simply flee from Ukraine to avoid being shipped to the front line. That in itself would create many more labour and social problems as well as morale issues. And I agree with him entirely on that front. Should, and he continues, should Russia win and take over most of Ukraine, it could negate Ukraine's debt, making the West pay double for its adventure. That would be a just punishment for the failing neoconservative attempts to dismantle Russia. End quote from Bernard. And I don't agree with him on one point there. They won't, uh, they won't pay uh, double, they'll just pay single, but they will actually pay. They won't be able to, re- you know, recoup their uh, investment. It'll be a failed investment of, you know, smacking the crap out of uh, Russia. Now they spend all this money on, uh, you know, the military-industrial complex. It got paid, that's all fine, but they won't get their money back again. Um, and then we have, um, yeah, I also think that this is actually another way of the undermining of the US uh, hegemony. Invite them into war wars where, where the US government spends lots of money on the war and then they lose the war and then the victor cancels the debt and then US, the US gets cast to carry the debt. It just adds to the trillions they already owe. And we know who they owe it to. It's China, amongst other players. But China's got like 25% of US debt or something. They can take the US down any time they want, of which they don't want to do because it's a very good market to sell their goods to. So it's, compl- you know, it's complicated. And moving right along, we've got What? Ukraine is not winning the war? By Patrick Lawrence. As I said, there's a a bit of a theme going on this topic. The fantasy of missile defence in Ukraine. Another article by Bernard at Milne of Alabama. And then we have a double article by Scott Rizzo, which I think is very important, and I'm going to mention more of it in the future. And it is titled, On Speaking Plain, Quote, Putin, end quote, by Scott Ritter. In two parts, as I said. And the key point of it is that in the first article, Ritter begins by saying, well, we've got a problem in that these bloody ideologues like um, Vixen, Newland and, and Dickhead Sullivan and, and Blinken lights, they are just idiots. And, and their language is useless to actually come to any useful understanding in terms of what happened, what the consequences of the failed proxy war. If you want to understand what the, what this means for the world and so forth, the first thing you've got to do is get rid of the bullshit language that these people have used. I mean, it's understandable that the media reports because they think this is, you know, the first draft of history. It's fucking bullshit. Uh, but and so we need to throw this crap away and actually come up with a lexicon, collection of terms, which are actually useful to do some meaningful analysis of, of what the hell happened and what it means. 
And so I think he's absolutely right. And what he's trying to do, of course, is not to convince Blinken Lights or Biden or any of the other idiots to change their, their tune, because that's a waste of time. He's talking essentially to historians and geopolitical analysts and military analysts and saying, guys, if you really want to, and gals, you want to make something out of this and learn something from the process, first thing to do is junk that terminology, come up with something you know, useful. So I thoroughly support him in this uh, effort because essentially if you want to learn anything from this whole thing, then the language used by these idiots is completely unhelpful. So I think he's doing a great job on that. I'm going to make some more of it. Uh, Moving right along, we have... So this part two for this by Ritter, of course. And then we have a decade after Euromaidan, Ukraine more fractured than ever by Professor Paul Robinson, originally published at Canadian Dimension and republished by Natalia S. Baldwin at Understanding Russia and Italia's Place. And then we have, and I think Paul uh, Robinson is an excellent commentator on Russian affairs. Really good. He used to publish a bit more, but these days about once a month. I think Canadian Dimension might be a monthly. Anyway, so I like to read what he's got to say. And then we have a very interesting thing, it's out of the blue. Like, what are you up to, Larry Johnson? Uh, I reckon he must have had a bit of experience in um, what they call cybercrime. Us IT people, we hate the term cyber. It's just bullshit. It means computer. Fucking wankers. So, anyway, the title is IT Army of Ukraine. How US intelligence agencies have elevated cybercrime in Ukraine into a freedom-fighting cult. Uh, interesting article. Check it out. Um, and I'm very tempted to make more of this, but I thought I'd just throw in something for people who are interested in the topic. Because the background is that back in the very early 2000s, when cybercrime, i.e. credit card fraud, was absolutely wildly out of control. A lot of it was happening out of Ukraine. Uh, the former uh, Soviet socialist republics, and particularly Ukraine, were heavily involved in this because their security was just lax as hell. I mean, the US banks only do things when they get their asses slapped around. Um, and so there was an awful lot of money to be made by people who didn't understand an awful lot. And so you could really go on spending sprees. You could just empty ATM machines... <laughs> for field day and go and buy yourself Lamborghinis and all this sort of shit and then and they realised that oh shit you don't even have to go and empty the ATMs <laughs> it's fucking easier than that so there you are plenty of people driving around with Lamborghinis having a very good time thank you very much and there's there's a really interesting presentation about this and the challenge of dealing with these sorts of cyber criminals uh, by uh, Misha Glennie who's a British journalist and it's from July 2011 so I've Flick the link into that if you're interested in this sort of stuff about the background in, um, you know, credit card fraud and so forth on the internet and how that relates to later things like phishing scams and all this sort of stuff. Uh, it's a really wonderful uh, presentation. So, and I think almost nobody will ever heard of it. So I thought I'd dig it up and throw it in there. There you go. And now there's a lot been happening on the Assange front, would you believe? And of course, brilliant work uh, right down the line by. Kevin Gostola, who runs The Dissenter, which is a great little newsletter, and he's publishing that at his own sort of site. Uh, he, he dabbled in um, Substack, I think, for a while, but found that it didn't really support what he was trying to do. Anyway, uh, great journalist. He's been following the Assange case since year dot, uh, and he's been following up on all of the little development that have, developments that have been happening, and I'm about to publish a very detailed article on a little part of one of them, so keep your eyes out. It'll come out in a few days. A long article. I don't know, something like two and a half, three thousand words. 
so, but meanwhile, there's all this other stuff going on. So the first is, that's common to the article I'll publish, is that uh, Ty Clevenger has managed uh, through a you know, plaintiff that had standing to force the FBI to fess up the digital goods and what, what the hell is on the laptop and other digital uh, data sources of Seth Rich. Remember Seth Rich? Well, then he, I'm going to tell you about Seth Rich in a bit. So that's one thing that um, Kevin Gostoller's been talking about. But the other one is this case uh, by four US plaintiffs against the CIA and severally against uh, Pompeo when he was head of the CIA. And that is basically a Fourth Amendment case. You you unlawfully searched and seized our stuff and didn't have a warrant and da da da. And they've got Judge Kirtle in, I think it's the Southern District of New York. Anyway, he's been pretty good on uh, stuff before with uh, citizens suing the ass off the US government when the US government been doing things that they shouldn't do. So, and he's followed through on previous style. Um, so he basically went, there's a sort of, there's a case, uh, sort of case law, which is whereby can you bring damages and da 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 da, and he's sort of thrown that away and going, nah, it's too complicated, too difficult, let's not do that. But he's also not left the CIA off, not let them off the hook, like, no, 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 because they sort of indicated that that it was a there was a plan happening. The 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 fact that these all of these visitors to the Ecuadorian embassy in London had their details searched, he's going, that's not a repeated accident, that's a program. How do you justify doing that, CIA? And they go, well, and their lawyers tried to sweet talk their ways out of it, uh, but they couldn't get away from it. And Colonel said, right, well, therefore, these guys have standing, stuff you, except uh, uh, Pompeo gets off the hook. Okay. But the four plaintiffs have got standing, there's a case to be answered, so CIA, come and tell us what the hell you were doing. Where's your warrant? What is it? So they're in a spot of bother, the CIA there, the uh, US government lawyers, see what they can do. But uh, Colonel's you know, got them by the short and curlies. So uh, to follow that, check out what uh, Kevin Gostol is writing, because he's the, he's the man. Uh, and of course, his work is being republished at Consortium News, because they've been really good on their science thing all along. So moving on from Assange, we have a collection of weird stuff, uh, which is cool. So first of all, we start off with the usual weekly newsletter from the Tricontinental Institute for Social Research by Vitae Prashad. And this time, the title is Transcontinental Corporations Provoke a Single Scream of Horror that Runs Through the Vertebrae of the World, the 51st newsletter. So that's wonderful stuff as ever from good old Vijay. And then we have uh, another one from Pepe Escobar, which is actually, I thought, quite interesting indeed and it's quite up his alley actually I'm sure he's just sort of had a bit of a rumination and gone hmm yeah why not and the title is now more than ever we need a true philosopher of civilization." and there he's referring to the sort of rhetoric that Russia China and the other you know sort of BRICS plus and the SEO groups are talking about in terms of what does the multipolar world look like What's it based upon? What's the idea? And the idea is um, respect for other civilizations. You know, if a, if a, an ethnic group can build a sort of civilizational foundation where it manages not to smack the crap out of the, all the people um, that it colonizes and whatever, they manage to somehow work with people and some sort of consistent cultural identity survives, then all right, well, you know, maybe we should listen to them rather than trying to conquer the bastards. So that's the sort of fundamental idea, really. And so there he's appealing for, all right, you know, we've got some philosophers out there who can understand about civilizational conflict and 
and inter-civilizational exchange. What's the history of this? What's the base of modern and so forth? Interesting idea from Mr. Escobar. And then Andre Martinov, just to get out of the philosophical clouds, he's got one titled, Ah, no shit! <laughs> because, you know, reminiscence of the future. He's just spotting people, you know, spouting bullshit and calling it as it is, uh, which is good. And then we've got, uh, just to remind us that everyone's being spied on and surveilled and so forth, and which is why the, uh, the Fourth Amendment case uh, between the four US plaintiffs and the uh, CIA is an interesting case in its own right, and it's an interview with a man called Jim Bovard uh, on Scott Horton Show, and the title is Jim Bovard on Washington's Tyrannical Surveillance and Censorship of American. So, First Amendment, Fourth Amendment, roll it all out. So that's what that's about. And we have a bunch of videos, because videos are good. And we've got uh, Israeli government's war on Gaza, the first 10 Palestinian journalists killed. And this is by Kevin Gostola again. So he's really pumping it out in the last week. And it was republished at uh, Natalia's Place Understanding Russia, but it's originally at the, the centre, I'm sure. So anyway, but there's the video link below. And then we have Watch, CIA loses motion to dismiss lawsuit against it. Richard Roth and plaintiffs Margaret Ratner Kunstler and Deborah Habeck discuss the case. And this is um, a video from uh, Consortium News, which is essentially a republication of the Zoom chat between uh, the lawyer, Richard Roth, and two of the plaintiffs in the CIA case. So there you go. All the details are there for you if you're interested in this shit. And then we have um, two of the more interesting interviews from the last week by... Judge Napolitano on Judging Freedom, and I've picked for you Alastair Crook, because we always listen to Alastair Crook, because he's an interesting man. And the last one is, of course, A Year of Intelligence Failures, uh, which is a sort of summary of all the screw-ups of this year, which is going to appear, some of them at least, in my Year in Review article, which is the other one I've got to get out in the next week. Yeehaw! And that, of course, is uh, Napolitano interviewing McGovern and Johnson. And as I said, I threw in a uh, the YouTube republication of the TED Talk by Misha Glennie from 2011 called Hire the Hackers. And that's the others. And now, finally, we move on to yes, or no. And first up, we had uh, a republication of an article by Chris Hedges. And so that's now two, twice I've republished other people's work verbatim. I don't intend to make a habit of it. I will only do it when I think it's really important that you read the article. And I, to make it even easier, I'll just republish the damn thing. I have to contact these people every time and say, sorry, I've sort of done this because I don't want to wait forever for them to answer because most people don't answer the queries when you send them. So it's sort of public, you know, it's sort of what, what's, the, what's the thing? Um, instead of asking for, forgive, uh, for uh, permission, you ask for forgiveness. Yeah, that approach. Um, so I don't want to do this very much. Um, and in this case, I didn't do the complete republication. I sort of forced you to click on the link because Hedges has sort of got a deal going down with Shearpost, um, and your visits to Shearpost actually do generate some revenue for them because it's advertising supported partially. Uh, so I wanted you to go there so that at least little Mister Bob Shear gets some money to keep running the little shoestring thing he's doing. So that's a very, very important article. And it follows up uh, the week before we did um, Murder by Craig Murray, which was at the republication. Uh, and then we move on to the other... So those, obviously that article, that thing is by Chris Hedges, not me, but I just sort of said, please go read. The other two are... Um, first one's just a bit of tongue-in-cheek, bit of fun. Um, Christmas Spirit at the Washington Post, in which I sort of 
Bernard at Moon of Alabama spotted that the sort of uh, element in the title headline, you know, war in Ukraine uh, at, at the Washington Post had disappeared. And it's like, oh, shit, that means it's all over. You know, everyone's recognising that that's not a good news topic anymore. Oh, you know what that means. And so I likened that to a warrant canary. Uh, so if you remember back in the day with the Patriot Act and then... Uh, the uh, business records thing, which the, the librarians were the first to say, oi, that's not good, we don't like that. Um, there was the ability for the US government to issue these things called NSLs, or National Security Le- Letters, and they came with a gag order. So the, the um, whatever it was, Justice Department could issue an NSL uh, to Google, for example, and say, we want all your records about this and that in that place at that time, or whatever, some spe- specifics associated with the warrant. You know, like geofencing, I think was the term. And then they could say, yeah, but, but for all time. You know, <laughs> anything that happened there between, you know, 2000 and whenever your records start and now. Um, uh, which is, you know, just sort of a... It's, it's a general warrant, basically. And uh, what they could do is issue a gag order with it so that Google couldn't tell anyone. And then, of course, they could do this to everyone. And so there was a problem there. And the way that was solved was people started to publish what were called a warrant canary. Uh, so they would put up... Once a month, they'd publish an, a thing that said, we have not received any NSLs this month. <laughs> and then when you, st- when, you st- when they stop publishing, you go, ah, oh, OK, right. So it's just a way to you know piss the US government off to say, fuck off with these dumb gaggles. <laughs> anyway, so I, I saw the withdrawal of the war on Ukraine uh, title at the... Uh, at the Washington Post is a sort of warrant canary. Like the warrant canary's not there. Oh, shit. That means the war's over. Anyway, I thought it was fun. And then we have the article, A Coalition of the Unwilling Fails to Coalesce, in which the US basically tries to take their uh, anti-piracy uh, thing that they've been running out of their bait the, for the, where is it, the fourth fleet that's in Bahrain. They've been doing a bit of anti-piracy work, which is fair enough because there's a lot of piracy going on near the Horn of Africa. And they've been doing this with a bunch of other uh, nations for quite some time. And they try and turn it into a, basically an attack fleet so that, you know, put all these, please send warships, please, everybody, and then put them under our command and we'll do what we want with them. And everyone, apart from Britain, who went, sure. Everyone else goes, not on your nilly. We've seen what you do when we do that shit. Last time we did this in the Middle East, you attacked Iraq and that was, it was illegal and wrong and we didn't, oh, that went very, very bad. So everyone's gone, nah, hell no. So that's what this article's about. And the really funny thing, of course, is when you think about it, uh, even this piracy work is essentially it's a state-sponsored insurance mechanism for uh, commercial shipping uh, companies, right, which are all the multinationals and, you know, the oil conglomerates and so forth. So the whole thing's a racket from our end of breakfast. Uh, but anyway, the funny bit this time was that uh, uh, the, the, um, the, the, the vassals went, nah, we're not playing that game. And that followed the um, the issuance of the uh, uh, we're not getting on that train with you thing by um, Australia, New Zealand and Canada, who all said they sort of clubbed up for a little bit of strength and unity uh, and went to the US. Uh, sorry, what you're doing at the UN here, like uh, vetoing ceasefire proposals when there's a genocide going on like hey, that's just too stinky for us. We can't we can't go down there. You can you can run that journey on your own. So this is sort of an extension of that. You know, US then goes, you know, Lloyd Austin, ex-Raytheon guy, goes, send us your warships. And everybody apart from, apart from Britain goes, no, no, Nelly. Uh, so that's, that was a fun article to write. I hope you enjoy reading it. And I hope wherever you are, you're having a great time. Happy Christmas. <laughs> a couple of articles coming out in the next week, probably. Don't quote me.
welcome back to Yes, Excel, No Audio.